And thank you for that worship this morning. God is good. As we, uh, let me invite you to turn to Colossians. I know some of you have already opened to Psalms 42 uh, and 43, which is what I was preparing all week. Uh, but the Lord just led me back to the book of Colossians to finish up this series that we were uh, kind of into in the fall. Uh, this will be our last sermon finishing out this book where it says, Christ alone completes me. Christ alone completes me. And as you're turning, I want you to think about something. I do want, this is kind of the direction I had gone this week anyway, but I want you to think about the past year of 2023. Why don't you just think about it? For many of you here, you can think about good things that have happened. You can think about some good things blessings that God has poured out on you. For others, you can think about the bad things, the difficult things, the challenges that you faced. Uh, Maybe you faced it for the entire year, or maybe there was a month here or a month there that were just a struggle. And you see this all the time, this time of year, is I can't wait for this year to be over. Because next year will be better. I can't wait for that calendar to turn so we can get into a new beginning or we can get into something new and something, something different. There's this anticipation that the next year will be better. That the next year will have new opportunities. But I, I want to tell you the truth. I want to tell you the truth. There's going to be just as much bad and good in 2024 as there probably was in 2023. And here's why. That's life. That's life. Life is filled with ups and downs, and it's a roller coaster of emotions. But we just sang the song of what God has done. Through the good, God has been working Through the bad, God has been working. Through the good to come, God will be working. Through the bad, God will be working. And this is what I want you to remember as we close out the year. It's really the series we started back in the fall. No matter what happens, Christ alone completes you. No matter what situation you find yourself in, Christ alone completes you. Christ alone is with you. Christ alone will carry you through it. Christ alone will never abandon you. That's the message that Paul is speaking to this church in Colossae. Now the context that he's preaching to or speaking to is is the fact that false teachers are telling them that it's Christ plus. We've said it every Sunday we've preached on Colossians. It's all these false teachers are like, well, you can have Jesus, but you need to have this and you need to have the Jewish law and you need to have all of this and all of this and all of this. And when you put it all together, then you have a complete faith. And Paul says, "Uh -uh -uh -uh." it's not Jesus plus, it's Jesus period. See, some of y'all remember. Uh, I thought you would forget over at, it's not Jesus plus, it's Jesus period. And so he kind of closes out his teaching section of the book here in chapter 4. Now, he has the final greetings that kind of follow at the end. But the final kind of exhortation is focused on what he wants the church to focus on. 
And it's what we as a church should focus on moving into a new year, and that is prayer. Uh, And I went back looking at it. I think I have preached and taught more on prayer than any other subject. Uh, We've done at least three Sunday night adult studies on prayer. Uh, Prayer seems to come up as we walk through books of the Bible. Prayer comes up uh, all the time because it's essential. Prayer is essential through those difficult times. It's essential to pray and to trust. It is essential for us as a church to pray together for each other. F. uh, F. B. Meyer said this, great quote. He said, the great tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer. It's unoffered prayer. The great tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer. God always answers prayer. Sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, sometimes it's maybe, sometimes it's wait. But the tragedy is the prayers that we do not offer to God. And I, and I get it. Listen, I get it. There are things that I, I'm like, does God really want to know that about me? I mean, you know, I mean, you've seen me, you've seen me walk. My knee's been hurting for like a month and a half, and it's getting on my, it's on my everlasting nerve, okay? I did get about two and a half weeks of relief with a shot, but it didn't last. And I'm like, God, does God really care about my knee? I mean, this is a conversation I've had with myself. Should I really pray for God to heal my, I mean, I'm walking, I can walk. Other people can't walk at all. Other people, it hurts a lot more than me. Does God really care? Yes, he does. Uh, and i got to be honest with you, last, this is just a funny story, I have prayed more for my knee last Monday night than I have prayed since it's been hurting because when I got out of bed in the middle of the night just to go use the bathroom, I got out really quickly and I felt pain run from the little toe to the tip of my head and I was in tears for hours. And I was like, God, please, this has got to go away. I'm a man. <laughs> we do not like pain. Uh, My wife has made fun of me for the last month. Can you believe that? (laughs) Anyway, she's had like full knee reconstruction surgery, and she's like, ah, she's made fun of me. (laughs) And there's other things like, you know, as teenagers, I remember thinking, should I really pray about dating my crush? There are things where like, does God really care about these little things? Listen, there's nothing little to God. God wants to hear it all. God wants you to bring him all of your concerns, all of your worries, all of your cares. Just talk to him like you would talk to anybody else. What I have found most helpful, especially in the last few months in my prayer life, is just writing it out. Uh, you know, I, I write my prayers. Uh, it helps me focus. It helps me get my thoughts together. Now, if you read them, it seems very distorted and incoherent, but it's just me talking to God. I used to tell teenagers who struggled with prayer. A teenager would come up, he's like, I'm really struggling, struggling with prayer. And I'd say, text it. Act like you're texting God. Your prayer. I said, just share with him anything you would share. Just every concern. Just talk to God through prayer. And so that's what Paul is going to conclude this teaching with everything he's told the church, with everything he's commanded them, with all this Christology and theology about who Christ is. He's going to end with an exhortation to pray. So, chapter 4, verse 7, Colossians chapter 4, verse 7 Devote yourselves to prayer. That's the command. That's the primary command of the text. Devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. And at the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ 
for which I am in chains, so that I may make it known as I should. Then it says, act wisely towards outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you, so that you may know how you should answer each person. Let's pray. Father, as we look at this text this morning, may this word be a light into our path and a lamp into our feet. And we ask this morning what we know not, you would teach us. What we have not, you would give us. And what we are not, you would make us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 The primary point of this whole text is be devoted to prayer. As a church, as an individual, be devoted to prayer. Uh, I'm devoted to a lot of things. I'm devoted to the Carolina Panthers. As you know, I talk about it all the time. Even though they're losing, I will carry, it doesn't matter where we're at. I'm so devoted, I paid for the NFL Plus app so I can watch them on Sundays. And because I, I love the idea of coaching football and because I think I'm an NFL football coach, I paid a little extra to get the all-22 footage, so on Mondays, I'm devoted to breaking down the film just like they are, right? Now, again, I just, football's my thing. It's, I have, you know, I've got this shirt that says football is, my, uh, uh, football is my world, Jesus is my life kind of thing. It's just great. But I, I love football. As a, I coached middle school football not too long ago, a couple years ago, before I came here. Our team was really good, but we had lost a game by like 30 points early in the season. But I was devoted as a coach to make sure we did not lose. We were going to lose the game. They were better than us. I knew that. But we weren't going to lose by 30. So I would stay up. I mean, I had a job. This was volunteer work. So I would get all my stuff done, and I put my family to bed. Everybody go to sleep. I would stay up until like 2, 3, 4, 5 o'clock in the morning, breaking down middle school football game film. That's devotion. <laughs> we only lost by six points. All right? That's right, because we broke it down. We, were devo- we are devoted to so many things in life. We're devoted, to, I mean, we're devoted to our husbands, our wives, our children. We're devoted to our jobs. We're devoted to our, our families. We're devoted to, you know, at Christmas time, we're devoted to making sure the house looks good and all we have the perfect presence. We are so devoted. And Paul says, are you devoted to prayer? Be devoted to spending time with God. I should spend just as much time with Jesus as I spent breaking down middle school football film. I think we're the only middle school team in the country that films middle school football. We should be just as devoted to spending time with God. Jesus was devoted and modeled this for us. In the midst of ministry with people surrounding him and so much work for him to do in such a limited amount of time, he would often go away because he was devoted to spending time with his heavenly father. Uh, I believe it was Martin Luther. It could have been Charles Spurgeon. I always get the source of this quote wrong. But the the quote from one of those guys is, is, I have so much to do today. I must spend the first three hours in prayer. For many of us, we see prayer, I mean, for not us, but many people, they see prayer as a waste of time. We have to get up, and I struggle with this too. I get out of bed, I've got a to-do list, breakfast, 
you know, pack lunches, get the kids ready for school, make sure Jennifer's ready for school, get her, you know, help out. You know, we do all these things. We have so much to do that we forget sometimes to spend time with the Lord. Be devoted in prayer. The disciples in the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread, and to prayer in Acts chapter 2. We did this study a few Sunday nights ago, but after Jesus ascended into heaven, you've got about 120 of these Jesus followers who are waiting for the Holy Spirit to come, who are waiting for Pentecost. They've got to wait 10 days. They're together. These 120 people, the, the foundations, kind of the early church, they're all together. And when you read that text, what are they doing? They're reading the scriptures and they're praying. The 10 days before the great blessings of Pentecost, they are praying. Before the people came for them to minister to, before the church would go from 120 to 3,000, these followers were preparing through praying. They were devoted. So as we're devoted to prayer, Paul gives kind of three subpoints to this. The first one is be alert, be watchful, stay awake. Maybe it's a reference to the fact that the disciples were supposed to be awake praying while Jesus was praying and they fell asleep in the garden and Jesus had to correct them. Paul's like, you need to stay awake. You need to be watchful. You need to be alert. You need to be focused. But I think this is the application to that. I think what it means is this. We have to be alert to not just our own needs, but to the needs of each other. We have to be alert to the fact that, you know, this person may come to church on Sunday morning with a smile on their face. You say, how are you doing? They may say, I'm great. But deep down inside, they're really not. We have to be alert to that so we can pray for them, so we can minister to them. And I think on the flip side, if you're not okay, this is where it's okay to be not okay. This is a place, a church is a place where you can come and say, and I know, how are you doing today? You should be able to feel like you can say, I'm just going to be honest with you, I'm terrible. And here's why. And we need to be alert to that and focused on that and pray. Um, some of us are bad, me included. You know, I point at you, three fingers point back at me, where we say, I'm going to pray for you. And I do. But what's a better strategy is to say, I'm going to pray for you. Let's do it right now. It'd be really cool if we just walk into Sunday school and there's a group praying together because somebody's having a bad day. Be alert. Stay focused. Be watchful. The next one is be thankful. Be thankful. The book of Colossians is filled with thanksgiving. Verse chapter 317, 316. 315, 261, 12, uh, 212, 1-3. Thanksgiving runs through the letter. It runs through a lot of Paul's letter. Be thankful for what we have. So I tell our kids at Christmas and at Thanksgiving, be thankful for the gifts that you got. Be thankful that we have food on the table. Be thankful for that pair of socks. I told you all last Sunday I was getting socks. Got a lot of socks. Thankful for them. Even, I told them, because my daughter got me these, Star Wars. Baby Yoda socks. Sorry. B Baby Yoda tie. Sorry. It's okay. Be thankful. I'm thankful. Be thankful for the things we have. 
Be thankful that we have a church. Be thankful that we have people praying for us. Be thankful that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence and talk to God. Be thankful that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. Be thankful that it's Christ alone completing us. Devoted to prayer by being alert, by being thankful, and by being missional. By being missional. Paul says, pray for me that the doors would be open. He's in chains. He's in prison. He's not allowed to get out. He's not allowed to really go places. He says, God, pray that the doors will be opened, that I can tell people about Jesus. That's missionally focused in our prayers. It's one of the reasons we've incorporated a very specific missional prayer into our services so that we can pray for our missionaries, that we can pray for the advancement of the gospel in this town, in this state, in this country, and in the world. We pray that the doors would be open for the gospel of Jesus Christ to be shared because people are lost and dying. And the reality is, if you die lost, you are going to hell. God doesn't send you there. Your sin does. It's God's desire for all men to be saved. God has chosen and called to use his church, his people, to spread the gospel. We, our prayers should be missional. Pray that doors would be open, that bolts would be broken. Pray that Christ would be proclaimed. Pray for people who it may be hard to pray for. That's being missional. Pray for people who don't look like you, speak like you, vote like you. Pray for people to do vote like you. Because lost is lost is lost. And I want to tell you what we need right now in this world more than anything else is the next generation of pastors and missionaries. That's, that's the missional prayer. You know, Paul says, you know, pray for me, pray for my workers who are helping me, pray for me as I talk to all these Roman soldiers that come in and out. But what we need today are a new generation of pastors and missionaries. The average age of a pastor is creeping up creeping up. The average age of missionaries is creeping down, but we just need more of them. We need people who are called by God to expand the gospel, to speak truth with grace, to speak grace and truth. We have to be missional in our prayers. So a couple things I want to share with you and points of application that may help you pray going into 2024. First is this, slow down. Slow down. I go 100 miles. I, I told Teresa this week when we were talking, I said, I'm thankful that January's here. Like when, when December and Christmas is over, I am thankful. Because from September to December, as a pastor, and I'm sure Ryan as a youth pastor, we run 150 miles an hour from, you know, Kick, school kickoffs, getting into schools to our October Fall Fest, all the activities. 
to the Christmas stuff we do here in China Grove, the tree lighting. It is nonstop. Slow down. Slow down. Wake up just a little early. Slow down like Jesus did. Slow down. Here's another thing. Schedule it. We schedule things. I've got a Google schedule that I've got pretty much my whole life scheduled. Every moment of every day is scheduled, including prayer. Schedule it. By the way, on my calendar, that's the only thing that has an audible notification every day to remind me. My phone beeps, I pray. I had a professor in seminary who his phone would beep, or his watch, he's old school. He had a watch, it was set to beep every hour, and every time he heard it ding, he would stop. He stopped in the middle of a lecture and prayed. He slowed down, he scheduled it, he prayed for it. He prayed. Slow down, schedule it, be committed. It takes about 21 days to build a habit. Okay? Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Pray scripture. Use the word of God to pray and to help you. And I could go on and on and on. But slow down. Schedule it. Uh, I have found it helpful to be in a quiet place. Uh, A prayer closet is very biblical. And when you go in there, Leave your phone outside or put it on airplane mode if you use the Bible app. Get yourself away from distractions. Uh, Now, if you're like me, you're ADD and you can be by yourself. Your phone can be in another room and you can pray for about five minutes and then your ADD kicks in and you start thinking about your to-do list again. You have to fight that. It's easy to fight it when you're by yourself without your phone. Okay. Last thing I'll just tell you, there's a lot of things I can tell you. Last thing, pray on your knees, especially at nighttime, pray on your knees. You're less likely to fall asleep, maybe, if you're on your knees. If you just lay in bed to say your nighttime prayers and you're laying there, you'll be asleep before you get to dear Lord, okay? Get on your knees. Get on your knees. Submit yourself to God. And the list could go on. The main idea is this. As we close the chapter of 2023 and we go into really the unknowns and the changes of 2024, devote yourself to prayer. Be devoted to prayer. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you that it is Christ alone who completes us. Father, we thank you that when we feel alone, when we feel depressed, when we feel feel full of grief and sorrow, that you are there. Father, we thank you that you have transformed our lives through the work of Christ on the cross. Father, help us to be devoted to prayer. Maybe the hardest spiritual discipline that many of us struggle with, help us to be devoted to prayer. Father, let that be our New Year's resolution, that every day, many times a day, continuously throughout the day, we would pray. And Father, we pray for you to answer our prayers. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.